Welcome to FHOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. Today I want to talk about uh, amazing grace. And I will say at the end of this service, we're going to provide an opportunity for prayer. Um, today, if you've come here and you don't know the Lord, we're going to have an opportunity right up here at these altars. Um, we're going to pray with you to find the Lord. If you've walked away from the Lord, we're going to pray for you to come back. If you need healing in your body or you have other issues going on in your life, we want to take time to pray with you. Um, come on up. We have men and women of God who, who, who know the word, that love the Lord, and love you, and they want to pray with you at the end of the service today. So my sermon has four points. Ready? You ready for this? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Four simple points this morning I'm going to walk you through so that every time you hear this song from now on, you'll think about how great our God is and how good our Jesus is. Um, there's a difference between grace and mercy, and this morning I'm not going to be talking about Mercy, um, how many know grace and mercy are a really good thing, though? How many have ever been the recipient of grace and mercy before? I, I remember one day, um, my daughters were playing soccer over in Lead Hill, little tiny, tiny town, and um, they, they got done playing, and they said, can one of our friends come with us? We were going to Branson to see a movie. I said, sure, why not? So this little friend hops in the car, and we're taking off to Branson, and y'all, I promise you, I didn't know we were still in the city limits but I was moving. You know who did know we were still in the city limits? Yeah, the police officer. He pulled me over and he said, uh, sir, you're moving kind of quick there. I was like, I'm sorry. He goes, did you know you were still in town? And that was awkward for me because I didn't want to insult his town. Um, I said, no, officer, I did not. He goes, yeah, this, this speed limit runs low all the way out to that, that place right over there. I said, I'm sorry, sir. And he looked at the these three little girls in their soccer uniforms in the back, and he said, girls, did you win today? They're like, no. He's like, I'm going to let you go. I was like, oh, I was so thankful. I was so <laughs> thankful. So we take off. We go watch the movie. It's late. We're coming home. We're coming through Oak Grove, another small little town, and uh, there's that four-way stop there. I've got these sleeping kids in the back, and I think if I come to a complete stop, they're going to wake up. And I've never seen a police officer out here in Oak Grove. <laughs> you guys already know this is that. Pastor's confessing sin this morning. Um, so I just roll through that little stop sign there. And as my headlights go across the little fire station there sitting in the parking lot, yeah, an officer. And he pulled me over and he asked me what was going on. And I was like, man, there's these kids sleeping in the back. And Guess what? He, he let me go. <laughs> I got pulled over twice in one day and let go. Um, and I was so thankful that this kid was asleep for the second time because, I mean, here, yes, you can go with Pastor to go see a movie. He'll be safe. Then I get pulled over twice. So I was so thankful <laughs> she was asleep until I ran into her parent a week later. She goes, so I heard you got pulled over twice. 
apparently some people weren't asleep. Um, confession is good for the soul, y'all. So, and um, anyway, that was mercy. How many know mercy and grace are a good thing? So mercy is when we don't get something that we should, like, but grace, grace is when we get something that we don't deserve. And grace is fun. When you get something that you don't deserve, the writer of Amazing Grace is John Newton. He actually was the captain of a slave trading ship back in the 1700s. Um, And one day, while he was on his ship, a terrible storm came through and almost killed him and everybody on the ship. And he cried out to God, and God saved them. It was the grace of God. When he got back to England, he actually gave up that lifestyle. He became one of the biggest uh, proponents for the ending of the slave trade after that. And after that, he wrote a song that we know today as Amazing Grace. It's this unearned favor. That's what grace is. Grace is the unearned favor of our God. You don't deserve it. You did nothing for it. And yet, for some reason, God wants to give you his favor. And that is grace. Think of it like a baby. You have a baby. It's done nothing for you. It's, it's not even cute. I, I, I know. Some of you guys are like, what? Newborn babies, and they get cute after a week or two, but those brand newborns, let's just be honest, I'm, you know it's true. And you're like, not my baby. No, not your baby. Your baby was cute. I'm talking about other people's babies. And you look at this thing, all, all she does is poop and pee and cry. She's done nothing for you, and yet you would die for her. That is an accurate picture of grace And did you know we're created in the image of God? The reason we have that in us about our own children is that's God towards us. Like God loves us so much. Guess what? We are that baby. All we do is poop and pee and cry. We just make messes. And yet God loves us so much. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, it says this. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. This is this amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It's this amazing grace of this amazing God who says, look, you're saved. The reason you're saved has nothing to do with what you've done. And that's not how we feel sometimes. We feel like we have to earn God's approval, that we have to get good enough. We say things like, If I can just get my life straightened out, then I'll start going to church. You've thought it, haven't you? If I I just get things, it's like someone saying, if I can just get in shape, I can finally start going to the gym. Or if I just get a little bit healthier, then I'll go to the doctor. Guys, that's messed up. That's backwards, and yet that's how we come to God. We're like, God, I have to earn your approval for you to like me. I remember a young man that used to go to this church years ago and he was a teenager. He said, you know, I used to always think, he goes, imagine it like, like we have these invisible crowns, right? Because the scripture tells us when we go to heaven, we have a crown, right? We get a crown. He goes, and for every good thing you do, you get like a, like a green dot. And for every bad thing you do, you get like a red dot. 
And if the green dots outweigh the red dots, then you get to go to heaven. Y'all, can I tell you this morning, the way the word of God says it, if we use that young man's analogy, it could be full of green dots, and yet if there's one red dot, we're worthy of full judgment and full punishment from a perfect God. Even one red dot separates us, and that brings me to my second point, is that he came to save a wretch like me. Now, wretch is not a word we use a lot in our culture today. Um, to be wretched. Sometimes if someone upchucks, we call that retching. If they furl, we call it retching. Guys, we, we are wretched. And yet we're trying to clean ourselves up and make ourselves more presentable for our God. And what Ephesians chapter 2 says, it doesn't matter how much you try to clean yourself up, you'll never make yourself clean enough for God. Um, one time when my youngest daughter was, she might have been two. And by the way, now I'm going to owe her a dollar because every time I use my kids as a sermon illustration, I have to pay them a dollar. Um, she might have been two years old and she was, we were in the school and we let the kids go out and play on the playground. We could see them out the window. It just rained. And I look out the window and oh my goodness, out there on that 3-5 playground at Berryville under the slide was Kayla in that mud puddle right there in front of the slide. I walk out there, y'all, she's covered from head to toe in mud, not one stitch of clothing on her. This sweet little blonde-headed girl. And what she'd done, she'd gotten her shirt muddy. And so what'd she try to do? She took it off. And then she'd gotten her pants dirty until she was as naked as the day she was born. Covered in mud, all her clothes covered in mud. And she was just stood there. And she kept trying to just clean it off. And every time she'd just rub, it'd get muddier and muddier and muddier. And that's us. That's us thinking, I'll make myself clean enough for God to approve of me. I'm going to make myself presentable to God. When we're wretches, turn with me to Luke chapter 15. And this is part of what I want to focus in on today. Some of you know this story. It's the story of the prodigal son, or you could call it the lost son. Um, I think Jesus would have called it the story of the two sons, but we're just going to focus on one son today. In Luke chapter 15, verse 11, this is what it says. It says, it's Jesus, Jesus telling the story. He says, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided the property between them. I want to stop and just remind you, when do you usually get your inheritance? When your parents pass away. So what he's essentially saying to his dad is, Dad, I wish you were dead. And what I'd rather have than you is the money that I'm going to get after you die. I'd rather have that than you. How many know that's wretched? It says, not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country 
And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And he had spent every, when he spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. If you read on later in the story, the older brother actually attacks this younger son because he said he blew his money on partying, he blew his money on wild living, he blew his money on prostitutes. How many know this young man is wretched? And this is us, and we think, well, not me. I'm not wretched. I've got mostly green dots. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm, I'm pretty clean. Y'all... The first sermon my dad ever preached was to a bunch of bikers in a biker bar, and it was this. Y'all are a bunch of cockroaches. And that's us. We're a bunch of cockroaches. And how many of you know, a cockroach in the kitchen, what happens to it? It gets squished. It gets killed. Why? So this is what I want um, all, all of you husbands to do next time your, your wife sees a cockroach in the kitchen. I want you, instead of killing it, I want you to capture it. And I want you to take it in the restroom and get out the soap. I want you to clean it really, 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 really well. <laughs> and then I want you to bring it back to your wife and hand it to her. Y'all, this is what we try to do, right? We're, we're trying to clean ourselves to make ourselves more presentable to God, but we are wretches. We are completely unpresentable. It's like, like we think we can get ourselves clean enough to make ourselves attractive to the creator of the universe who's completely holy. And no matter how clean we are in and of ourselves, we'll never be any more than cockroaches in a kitchen. In Philippians chapter 3, it's Paul, and if you don't know who Paul is, he wrote most of the New Testament of the Bible, and Paul was awesome. Before he came to Jesus, he was really good at religion. He kept all the rules. He was perfect. How many know someone that you think is perfect? You're not going to, man, I'm giving you an opportunity to raise your hands um, that's a trap. You're right. Don't raise your hand in church. I mean, no, you should never raise your hand in church. Um, it's a trap. It's a trap. I totally lost my train of thought talking about that. I went up. Where was I? Someone help me. Paul. I was at Paul. Oh my gosh. I was like, man, perfect. Yes, perfect. Um, Paul. Paul, he kept all the rules of his religion perfectly. And he bragged about it. He's like, look, I was the best at being religious. And then he says this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. He says, but all things I suffered the loss and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Listen to what he's saying here. Rubbish, that's not a word we use. In the original language, it's the Greek word skybalon. Some theologians actually think that Paul was cursing here. 
The word he was using might be closer to our word crap or another word that I shouldn't say in church. My mom would tell me I shouldn't even say crap. But another word that starts with an S. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying, I consider all of the good things and all the righteousness and all the good I had, it was crap. And that's what we do. We think, God, look how religious I am. Look how good I am. And some of you are thinking, man, I'm not good. So if the good people's religion is considered poo, what am I? Y'all, keep listening. There's good news. There's good news in this. Here's the thing. To finish out the bad news, Romans chapter 5 tells us that we are enemies of God. Listen, you're not just a good guy who kind of needs Jesus in your life to make you a better guy. Without Christ, Scripture's very clear. We are enemies of God. He has set himself against us see christianity isn't just this thing to where make ourselves feel better about ourselves it's not just a thing so that we feel like a little superior to everyone else y'all we're not we're simply a people who realize that before christ we were enemies of god and so we surrender ourselves to him and his will and his way The scripture tells us why we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let me say that another way. Why we were still dirty cockroaches or even maybe clean cockroaches, Christ died for us. He saved a wretch like me. He saved me. How did he save me? Through the death of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ was the only one that was never a cockroach. He was completely perfect. The scripture said he knew no sin. It was God who became a man, God in the flesh. And here's what's crazy. The people of that day and time, they were looking for a savior. Y'all, you think politics are bad now? First century Rome was way worse, way worse. And the Jewish people, they were looking for a savior to save them from Roman oppression. And here comes Jesus. And they think, he's going to save us. And they thought he was going to save them with a sword and an army. And yet he comes as a baby in a feeding trough. We call it a manger, but it was a feeding trough. How many moms today would put your baby in a feeding trough? That's nasty. The king of the universe is a baby in a feeding trough. And it's God in the flesh. And he lives a sinless life. And he gives his word. And y'all, that's one of the big things about being in our small groups is we just point each other to the words of Christ over and over and over and over again. Does it take more than once? Yeah. I have to hear the words of Jesus over and over and over again. And every day I have to choose to surrender, go from what I want from my life and surrender to what he wants for my life. And so this perfect man dies on the cross. And the scripture tells us that he who knew no sin, Jesus, was actually made to be sin so that we could be righteous. 
That's insane. That's insane to me this morning. We don't think we're all that bad sometimes, but here's the reality. We choose sin. And what is sin? The biblical definition of sin is just means to miss the mark. Like we want to make sin like that's what Hitler did, not what I do. Y'all, if you steal a cookie from a cookie jar and you know you weren't supposed to, that's sin, right? Right? I'm not just trying to amp it up to make everyone feel guilty this morning. No, I've got you all covered as sinners. Um, we think sin is something that other people do, but there has to come a time in our life where we humble ourselves to the point where we realize that I am the sinner. That's what Paul said. He said, I am the chief sinner. This religious man realizes I am the sinner of all sinners, and I need a Savior to rescue me. Because I can't do it on my own. As I do it on my own, I just keep smearing around the mess that I'm trying to make to make myself look better. But I need Jesus. There has to be a time when we come to ourselves, When we realize we can't save ourselves. That relationship you're in, it can't save you. That job that you think you found that's finally the perfect job, it can't save you. That extra money, it won't save you. That addiction, it won't save you. Maybe it makes you feel better for just a moment, but there's a God-shaped hole in your heart. And we as wretches, we try to fill it with everything besides God, but God has come to save you this morning. He saved a wretch like me. In verse 17 of this story, this is what it says. It says, when this younger son came to himself, say, came to himself. Have you ever just come to yourself? Like, like, oh, just a realization. All of a sudden, I just came to myself and realized, what am I doing? Like, why? Why am I living this way? In fact, that might be some of the reasons some of you are here this morning is your friend invited you and you're like, yeah, I mean, I do need to, to go. It says, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And I would say that's probably more than fair. Because he did go to his dad and say, I wish you were dead. Give me what's mine. And then he blew it. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found 
and they began to celebrate. This is amazing grace. He did not deserve it. He didn't earn it. In fact, he deserved the opposite. He deserved to be shunned. He deserved to be like, no, if you see him coming, keep him outside. I never want to speak to that jerk again. That's what he deserved. And yet the father, when he was still a long ways off, he sees him. He's like, is that my son? Is that my kid? Is he coming home? And he runs to him. And the kid knew he was in trouble. He humbled himself before his father and said, look, I'm, I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. And this father, full of grace and mercy and love, says to him, no, we don't do that here. We don't do halfway here. Y'all, there are no halfway sons in the kingdom of God. Like some of you here this morning, and you might be feeling guilty for some of the stuff that you've done in your past. And you're like, man, I would come to God, but I am not as good as these people around me. I'm telling you, you've got a wrong view of the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, all sons are just fully sons. If you go read the rest of the story, when the, when the father notices that the older son who stayed home wasn't at the party, he goes out looking for him. Because the father wants all his sons at the party. The father want all, wants all his sons to be home. Here's the thing that the father says that gets me. He says, the son of mine was lost, but now he's found. I once was lost, but now I'm found. This morning, I would say, if you do not know Christ, this morning is the morning for you to surrender your life to him. You would not be here if you did not feel the need to know God. And we know if you know God, then you will find freedom. In Acts chapter 4, it says this. It says, let it be known to all of you that this Jesus whom you crucified was raised from the dead. And this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. And it's now become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven among men by which we must be saved. Here's what, Je here's what he's saying there. Jesus who died on the cross to take all of our sin and our shame, to take our punishment we should have been squished like that cockroach. And what Jesus is, he took the squishing for us. Because the God of the universe desires relationship with us as sons. And it says that in this group of people, they had actually rejected Jesus. As a stone, this stone is not good enough to build with, and they rejected him. This stone, you're not the conquering king we were hoping for to defeat the Romans. Let's get rid of him. And this morning, some of you might be like, Jesus, man, he, maybe he's not exactly what I need. And maybe you'd be rejecting him. But this morning, I would say that the God of the universe is taking Jesus. And he's made him the cornerstone. If you don't know what a cornerstone is, that is the most important stone in a building structure in the ancient world. That's the starting place of the rest of the structure. And this same Jesus is through whom salvation comes. 
Robert, can you help me out here this morning? This is, this is amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. And now we come to the last point of my sermon, which is I was blind, but now I see. See, here's the thing this morning. Maybe before you walked in this door, maybe you didn't know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe you didn't know that Jesus died on the cross to take away your sin and your shame. Maybe you didn't realize that the holy God of the universe was at odds with you, not just at odds, but considered you an enemy because you hadn't surrendered yourself to him. But that same God sent his son in Jesus Christ to live that sinless life, die on the cross, and raise from the dead. Y'all, Jesus is alive this morning. Let me say how real he is. So, I have a dad. He's in Cassville this morning. He's real. You just can't see him. Jesus is just as real as my dad who's in Cassville. You just can't see him. The difference is, is my dad's spirit lives inside his body. The spirit of Jesus is everywhere, including in this place. Jesus is alive this morning. And his resurrection from the dead proved he was God in the flesh. And now we come to this place where if you didn't know that before, maybe you were just blind. But now you see. But the scripture says that you can see and still not fully understand. You can see and decide to reject. You can see and say, you know what, I don't want that. Y'all, this morning I'm not talking about adding Jesus to your life. What I'm talking about is complete transformation of your life when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Remember, we were cockroaches. But what Corinthians tells us that it says, if anyone's in Christ, they are a new creation. The oldest passed away. All things have become new, which means you're no longer a cockroach. Now you're a child of God. And you don't squish children when they don't do well. You discipline and you love them. And you take care of them. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Examine your heart for just a moment. Have you surrendered yourself to the Lord? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ? There's sin in your life. And I'll tell you this morning, as you're examining your heart, as you're, as you're praying right now, I want to make it very clear is we are not trying to get rid of the sin of your life this morning. What we're trying to do is deal with your heart. All the sin is, is a fruit of things going on deeper inside of you. And surrendering your life to Jesus takes care of that.
I could get some elders and some pastors and prayer partners to please come and stand up here with me this morning. examine your heart, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a series of things that uh, I'm going to ask you to come forward for. First of all, if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, the scripture tells us that now is the time, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to surrender your heart to the king of the universe. Here in a moment, I'm going to invite you to come and pray with one of these so that your life can be transformed in Jesus Christ. If you say today, I, at one point I used to walk with Christ, but I've, I've walked away from the fruit of my life does not show that I live a life for Christ any longer. I'm gonna ask you to come too here in just a moment. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, my life is good as far as with Jesus, but man, I've got some other stuff going on. There's some big issues going on in my life. Maybe. Maybe it might be healing, it might be finances, it might be relationships, but you're like, I need someone to agree with me in prayer because I'm desperate. I need, some, I need someone to pray with me. I'm going to invite you to come here in just a moment. Father, we thank you that you are good. We thank you for your amazing grace that has saved us while we were still completely wretched, while we were still sinners. God, this morning, I pray that the lost would be found. Lord God, I pray, Lord, that the blind eyes would be open this morning to see the truth of the gospel for what it is. have any need or any need for prayer, I'm going to invite you to come at this time. Don't hold back. Today is the day to get right with the Lord. Don't worry about what the person to your right or left may do. On judgment day, you will be standing before God alone. You will not have the person to your right or your left. To hold you back. Come, come, if you will. And let these men and women of God pray with you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.